All right, everybody, and welcome back to the Effort Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, we have the boys back from NC Fit, Gabe Yanez and Matt De La Valle. Now, if you guys have been a part of the NC Fit Collective or the NC Fit Athlete Group, you definitely know who these guys are. You see their content all the time on our private Facebook groups, but we love diving into a variety of different subjects from fitness, of course, and their 75 hard journey and what they have going on currently to business talking about our business, talking about what they see across multiple businesses and lessons learned in the fitness space. And then obviously we dive into some family and personal life in terms of talking about the Mets and life on a farm and, uh, you know, family, all types of things. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Before we get into it, just want to remind you that if you have not checked out the NC Fit app, or if you're a gym owner and you have not checked out the NC Fit Collective, I think both products that NC Fit delivers are world-class and it's at least worth checking out. Now, let's dive into an amazing episode with Gabe and MDV. Let's go. So MDV is eating watermelon. I'm trying to figure out the whole uh, audio situation, which has just been a disaster. And you guys are both finishing 75 hard tomorrow. Is that is that... That's a good summary for, for today, huh? <laughs> good way to kick off the podcast today. Yeah. Good summary for the day. Dude, I, uh, my audio situation has just been a nightmare. I, uh, I've tried so many different headphones and uh, it's just like a running joke. So I'll get on and just like one thing after another is just a disaster. But I know it sounds like a, it's a small issue, but it's been pissing me off. So there are bigger, bigger problems in this world, but my, well, uh, this goes. Yeah. This goes back to the start of the closures in the pandemic. I mean, you've been experimenting with different headsets now for <laughs> close to a year and a half. I think you've gone through about 30 headphones. Dude, I've tried so many different things. Um, in person, just, we have a great setup, but over the Zoom or whatever, I'm, I'm still working on it. If there are any headsets that you're not using anymore, I'll send you my address. More than happy to, to grab some hand-me-downs. Hey, next time you're out in California, I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can hook you up with. But, uh, <laughs> d- dude, I, uh, it's been a good week um, here at NC Fit. Got a lot going on. Um, I, uh, what, are we, what are we discussing? One thing I did want to discuss is this idea of, like, um, how we're going to create um, different uh, names for each one of our workouts now. I thought that was something unique that we're, we're just rolling out. And I thought we could just discuss kind of each one of the names and, and how we created that for – for anyone who's, you know, a part of the NC Fit community or the collective or sees the workouts we put out, um, we've been always trying to innovate, always trying to enhance the experience for gym owners, for coaches, and for the athletes. And I think, I think what uh, what we created as a team actually hits the hits the mark really well. So, I, I want to start there. Talk about what it, what it actually is. Yeah. Um, so, what Jason's referring to here is that we now have five different labels for uh, each of our workouts. Uh, So no matter if you're following our NC Metcom program, which is our version of GPP, the closest thing that you would find to like a traditional CrossFit.com type of program, or if you're following NCX, which is our strength and conditioning program, in which the workouts have a lot of functional movements in them, but they're a little bit more in the middle of the spectrum. All those workouts, we're not doing things that are uh, highly complex gymnastics in that program. The loading that we're using in that program is a little bit more in the middle. We've now created 
these five labels that one of those labels will apply to the workout of the day for either NCX or NC Metcon. So the five labels are quality, sprint, effort, grind, and heavy. And within those five, we're going to categorize each one of the workouts that we produce and put them into one of those categories. And the reason I'm really excited about it is, um, you know, I think that this alleviates a lot of guesswork or, or questioning about what the personality or stimulus of the workout is meant to be in a very quick one word example or one work, one word uh, label you can learn a lot about the workout, whether or not that workout's supposed to be short, fast, really, really intense. You're supposed to have this pedal to the floor, like in a sprint, or whether that workout's supposed to be a little bit more drawn out, really mentally, physically taxing workout that's just going to kind of grind away at you like a grind workout should. So I'm really excited about it, both for coaches and for athletes. What's your, uh, what's your favorite of the five? Jason, I'll, I'll hit you with it first. Uh, my, my favorite of the five is... Uh... It's probably effort. So effort falls in that category of like, what, MDV, like 12 to 20, 12, like 15-ish minutes, uh, kind of getting after it type of workout. Yeah, effort, effort is like the, the traditional kind of functional training, moderate to high intensity workout. Jason, you hit the nail on the head, anywhere from like 12 to 18, 20 minutes. And you're figuring out a sustainable pace within that time that you can maintain, whether or not that's a higher, higher intensity pace or a more moderate intensity pace, but it's not just slamming your foot to the floor, like in a sprint sub 10 minutes, sub eight minute workout. You have to think about how you're going to approach these workouts a little bit more carefully. Yeah. So I like effort. Uh, that's, that's right. My, my wheelhouse. That's what I like. Gabe, you're a grind guy, right? Oh yeah. Longer, the better. I mean, for, for, it's a blessing and a curse, but the endurance background, that's just like, that's the, the, the one place where I thrive, um, which, you know, it's pretty unfortunate sometimes because those workouts can get pretty gnarly, but yeah, that, that, that would be my pick. Definitely not a sprint. I, I can't, <laughs> can't, can't move that fast for that short period. Oh, oh, gave me a little up on us, huh? Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. Uh, that internet different. in Texas. Oh man. Hey, how's the internet out there in Texas, Gabe? I mean, do you guys even get internet where you're at? Oh man. So actually it's, it's, so the problem is it's great, but it's satellite. So on like really rainy days. Yeah. You guys, is it, is it raining? Is it raining right now in Texas? Yeah. Yeah. It's pouring right now. And that's like the only time we have any issues mm. aside from that. It's like the best internet I've had. Granted, we were in the Airstream for a year. So we were like in RV park internet, which wasn't good most of the time, but um, no, we've been super lucky. But hey, what's the rained, oddest thing you saw in a year in an RV? What's the <laughs> oddest thing you saw going across the country? Oh man. So we stayed at this. Um, so this is probably one of the places we stayed at the longest. Cause it was in, when we were in, in San Diego, um, in Santa Fe RV park, there's this lady that would walk around with a bird on her shoulder all the time. And in the beginning, I was like, I wasn't sure if it was like a real bird. Cause it was like big. And sure enough, like one day I got close enough and yeah, she would just walk around all the time with a live bird on her shoulder. Um, the people that like live in, you know, our, our RV places full time, interesting characters for sure. Um, so met a couple of those, but yeah, she, she was actually really, really nice. We, we spoke to her. Um, she had been there so long that she like built the deck that 
was in the RV spot that we were at. at. Um, so she was there for, for a lot of years, but um, that was probably the oddest thing. A bird lady. Mm-hmm. Bird lady reminds me of Home Alone. That movie's still excellent, man. One of my favorites. Home Alone 2. Oh, that's Home Alone 2. That's right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The kids love that movie. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so, so, okay, what else is on the agenda? So we got next week we're going out to a jiu-jitsu tournament. That'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We got uh, – we just had the coaching summit. That was cool. Uh, what else is going on? Well, I think well, it's worth I, – I know we're going to talk about it a little bit in the Ask Me Anythings um, tomorrow, which, you know, for anyone that's listening that – isn't in our Facebook group, you know, now that Facebook group is open to anyone. So if anyone wants to join the NC fit athletes group, highly encourage that you go on there. Um, Cause me and MDV do these monthly ask me anything's where it's exactly that you can ask us anything and we kind of answer some questions. But um, I think, you know, last time we were on the podcast, we spoke about being what 20 something days into 75 hard. Um, so last day is coming up on tomorrow. Jason mentioned it in the beginning. So I think it is worth just kind of like wrapping this thing up. You know, 75 days is a long time. That might be the one thing that I learned through this whole thing is just how, how much, I mean, it's two and a half months. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but MDV curious about your experience. I know that we chatted a little bit about um, the conclusions that we came to at the end of it. And, uh, yeah. 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 I'll certainly talk a lot more about it. Um, well, we can talk about it now. I'll talk about it tomorrow too. But yeah, tomorrow's the last last day of 75 hard. And if you're not aware what 75 hard is, it's a uh, physical, mental, emotional, nutrition, health, wellness, fitness challenge that was created by uh, Andy Frazella over at First Form. Uh, there's a whole book and a program that goes behind it. There's a list of things that you need to do every single day. You know, a couple of things off of that list are you got to do two 45-minute workouts a day. One of those has to be outside. You got to drink a gallon of water a day. You have to follow some sort of nutrition plan. You can't have any cheat meals. You can't drink alcohol. Uh, you got to take a progress picture and you got to read 10 pages of some sort of self-development nonfiction type of book. You do all those things for 75 days and you make it through 75 hard. Um, I'm going to be brutally honest here. Uh, I think if somebody asked me whether or not I completed 75 hard, I would have to say no. Um, I did 75 days of all of those things. I really did. I did all those things for 75 days, but the, I did not set a hard enough nutrition target for myself that really made this challenge meaningful enough in terms of the nutrition element, which would have been the hardest thing for me to follow out of all of those things that I just listed because a lot of those things were already things that I had been doing in part of my, my routines, my, my daily life. Uh, I'm a very active person. I spend a lot of time outside. I walk my dog. I read a lot. Uh, taking a progress picture wasn't necessarily super difficult. Um, no booze wasn't very difficult. Where I found difficulty was in the blurriness of my own nutrition goal for the 75 days and not having a tight enough system where I said, this is what I'm doing. I'm measuring, I'm doing carnivore, I'm doing keto, whatever it was for those 75 days in which I didn't have as much blurriness at the ends of what is or isn't involved in my nutrition. 
my nutrition that I set for myself was no sugar and I'm not going to eat at like after 9 PM. And, you know, I got close to those things, you know, the 9 PM thing, I was right on the borderline. A lot of days, the no sugar thing, that was easy, but it didn't really change the way that I approached nutrition all too much. So I'm, I can't really claim to have completed it. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of have to agree with you after having talked to you and heard you kind of describe it that way. Cause I fall under the same boat. You know, we got to the point where we were like, I think 50 days in, which is a long time. And it really started feeling like just checking things off a list every day. Um, more so than like, I'm doing this really challenging thing and it's getting tough. And I feel like come day 75, like there's no part of me tomorrow that's going to be like, wow, I did this. And it's going to want to celebrate in any meaningful way. There's nothing that like has been so tough that I can't wait till Saturday morning to do this thing or not have this thing. Um, So I agree. I mean, my nutrition thing that I was going to stick to was the 800 gram challenge. Shout out EC Sinkowski. Um, because I, I feel like I don't eat enough fruits and vegetables. So every single day I've been committing to having 800 grams of fruits and vegetables, but it's funny how, like, since I set that as my rule, the sliding scale of like being really good about having vegetables and just having a ton of fruit in the morning and like checking it off the list has evolved through the 75 days. Like I'm at the point now where I just smash like two bananas, a grapefruit and two oranges in the morning. And then I don't even have to worry about it. Um, And I know that that's not the intention behind like having something that's strict and a challenge nutrition wise. I'm just eating a shit ton of fruit. I think you guys are both being super tough on yourself. I think what you guys both did was incredible. Meaning, meaning this, right? So you guys dedicate yourself to a specific thing for 75 days. You guys just happen to be very diligent, right? But for a lot of people, what you're talking about is extremely challenging, but for yourselves, you've already built these habits up, but still dude, like, I mean that much 800 grams of, fruit and vegetables or for MDV, like the no sugar thing. I mean, bro, there had to have been a time where you're like, Hey man, I just want to kick out of Coors Light or I want to go ahead and, you know, shut down a, a, I don't know, something with sugar in it, whatever ice cream Sunday. And you said no, because you're on the, on track. Right. I mean, yeah. So uh, listen, uh, there's two things I learned. Number one is that if somebody followed it the way that I followed it and they were different than me. It might've been very, 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 very difficult. It could have been the hardest thing that they have ever done in their lives. I get that. I I totally get that. And I have empathy and understanding for people who go into this and they go two workouts a day for 45 minutes that are, or I can't do it a day two. I'm done for me. I should have set something harder for myself. I, I I look at my 75 days here and I'm not saying it wasn't meaningful. It was really meaningful. I think the thing I learned the most from it was that if I'm going to do something like this, 75 hard, I have to make it hard for me. And that means I probably should have set a nutrition goal during that 75 days that would have broke me at some point or would have really challenged me to stick on it and, and pushed me past the limit. The no sugar thing, was not as challenging as I might've thought at the start, or maybe I kind of knew in the back of my mind, wasn't be challenging because I don't eat a lot of fucking sugar. I'm not, I'm not a sugar guy. I'm a sweet and salty. I'm a, uh, excuse me. I'm a salty and savory guy. Um, those are the things that I lean into. And I had some of those things on this challenge. It wasn't a quote unquote cheat meal, but if I was weighing and measuring, or if I was doing a certain type of restrictive diet, it would have been much harder. Well, that yeah, I think itself, this, I think, is, is a great learning lesson right there. But yeah, go ahead, Gabe. Now, I have some questions that came through Instagram too. 
Oh, awesome. But um, no, I mean, I think that it's a super powerful way to like really reset and establish healthy habits. You know, one thing that I think a lot of people fall into is, you know, 30 days seems to be this like, you know, buzz number, I guess you want to call it of different challenges and doing things. And I do think that that is a little bit too short for people to find like some meaningful change and then actually adapting that to be a habit. Now, to MDB's point, like what was a little different is that a lot of these habits, you know, we already do. But I mean, it's taken a lot of work to get to this point. And I do think that the structure of 75 days of checking off these like, you know, five, six things can be a lot of powerful, can be very powerful for people so that, you know, when it ends, maybe, you know, three things you kind of go back to, but hey, now you're reading a lot more or hey, now you're hydrating a lot more. Um, And that now being something that, um, you know, I heard this the other day and I really like it, making it like you're, you're brushing your teeth thing now is super powerful. And the brushing your teeth thing is like, we never think about that, right? Like, we brush our teeth twice a day. Like it's, it's, it's no longer like a chore to get that done. And I think that it's a good example of how something should feel when it's like, it's a habit, right? Like there's no one has to tell you, you don't have to set a reminder. Like it's just a thing that you do. And I think people underestimate about the teeth thing, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think people underestimate how long it takes to actually make that happen. And this whole 30 day thing, you know, we see it a lot. And I do think that that's a little bit on the shorter side. So that was a, a kind of learning for me. Nice. Last thing, you know, there were, there were days that were hard for me where I had to do something that I didn't want to do. There were days that I had to go on a walk when it was raining out or a day when I got, it was late at night and I had to go into the garage and get a workout in where I would have, if I wasn't doing this challenge, I would have sat my ass on the couch and watched the latest murder documentary on Netflix. Like that's what I would have done if I wasn't doing this. I also went on a, like a little, uh, mini getaway to Arizona, meet up with some buddies down there. And I had to work out twice a day, you know, and that was something that if I was going down there to hang out with my buddies, I probably would have worked out in the morning one time and been done, but I had to figure out a time to get a 45 minute walk in and a 45 minute workout in. Yep. And so, you know, some of the questions we were actually, so uh, one of them was nutrition one of them's jujitsu, one of them's best retention strategies. Um, here's one about diversity in the gyms. Um, I thought that was interesting. Uh, origin stories was a question. Um, I think that's a good one. Uh, are home gyms the new norm or are people uh, headed back to the traditional gym? So tips and methods for recovery after workouts. I know MDV, you like the sauna and there's a bunch of stuff we could talk about. So why don't we start with the, this, this at a high level, the origin story, like where you're born, uh, like just a kind of go from there. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Gabe, where were you born? I was born in Quito, Ecuador. Yeah, you were. All right. Right. You, you left when you were four, right? No, younger. I was like, I was like one and a half. I've, I've, I've lived here all my life, but I wasn't actually born here. See? That's the interesting story, right? So I, I don't know if you guys want to share, but that's the question. Origin stories. So you guys go at it. I, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I was born in Florida. I was a very young when I moved really? to Long Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was born oh, in man. Uh, Florida man, MDV. Florida man, Florida man, September 9th. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's, uh, you know, Gabe and I kind of share a similar background. We both grew up on Long Island and uh, uh, both found CrossFit kind of early on and then uh, both made our way to the West Coast to work with, with you, big guy. So that's part of the origin story for sure. 
Yeah, that's the, that's the broad, broad strokes version. Um, but yeah, came out to California, then spent a year in an Airstream, kind of traveling the entire U.S., and now I'm on a farm in Texas. So that's Ecuador to Texas. Here's With the giant eggs. So, so tell us about the chickens that were backed up. So they were backed up for a couple of weeks, and then it all came out in some giant eggs. Huh? No, no, no. They weren't backed up. Super interesting, though, because this kind of ties into nutrition. Um, one of the most fascinating pieces of living on a farm and raising animals now is just how evident it is that a healthier, whether it's an animal or us, like produces healthier results. Um, you know, it's, it's super interesting because the chickens, when we got them, we got them from like a guy that we found on Craigslist and they weren't living their best life over there is actually kind of shady. And so when that combined with the move, you know, they weren't laying eggs for like a month. We thought we got gypped by this Craigslist guy who sold the chickens that don't lay eggs. Oh man. But, you know, after a month, surely enough here where, you know, we get them like the most bougie feed and they spend like, you know, they roam around the entire property and just eat bugs all day, which is what they're supposed to do. Now they're laying like literally the biggest eggs I've ever seen in the world. Um, and it's just a cool like way to very tangibly see how, you know, any being, us, but also seeing it in animals, like the healthier they are and the more they're behaving, eating and doing the things that they should be doing that they're designed to do, the more they're just going to like, you know, thrive. Um, so that's my way of, you know, kind of plugging the whole foo-foo nutrition stuff into, into your question. Yeah, man, it makes sense. I mean, you put good stuff in, you get good stuff out, you put bad stuff in, you get bad stuff out. The, I, I, uh, I really have come to believe that nutrition just generally for humans, not for chickens has become over complicated, fat oriented, uh, and overly confusing. It's really not that complicated to think about what world-class or what high level nutrition should look like or could look like for, uh, human beings. You know, obviously there's going to be differences in, in what you have access to depending on where you are in the world and the socioeconomic places that you have uh, access to. And there's those types of issues for sure. But, you know, if you were just going to write down the things that you wanted a human being to, to eat in order to produce a really high functioning, high output, healthy body, uh, you could do so pretty simply. It's not that complicated. It's not that complicated, but it's not that easy. Yeah. No, the fact that it's simple doesn't mean that it's easy. Right. Yeah. That's, that's where we run into issues with this stuff is that, you know, you have a million and one fucking distractions away from this very simple list of things and you get wrapped up in social, emotional uh, issues. And, uh, you know, you combine that with people trying to advertise and market and sell you things that they don't have the best intentions for. And it becomes a very difficult thing to do. Um, sure. but yeah, I like this conversation a lot. I think that this is an awesome conversation. I, I think the only thing I'd add, I mean, so I agree with you. I think one thing that's interesting about nutrition is that a lot of people don't know what they don't know in terms of like, um, in terms of like stuff that's in stuff. So like particularly like dressings and sauces and looking at like the sugars and the type of stuff that's in there, that's just now I would pay a little bit more attention to, because I know for me, you know, give me a good sauce and I'm all about it. Then all of a sudden you look at it and it's like, man, one <laughs> tablespoon is whatever, whatever grams of sugar and all this kind of stuff. Like, like, uh, it's just something to be aware of. That's all, you know? Yeah. I, I even think that that's a step 
far, a step too far, right? Like if, right. let's put some olive oil on the table over here and then let's put some Hellman's mayonnaise over here or whatever uh, dressing you're gonna put over here. And you could just look at those two things and be like, that's the better choice for me. I understand that this over here is a single ingredient, single origin, naturally occurring whole food. And this thing over here that's made by Kraft Corporation with this list of ingredients that has 10,000 consonants and three vowels in the entire ingredients list, this is not as good for me. The tough part is that that fucking thing over there in that jar that is sold to you by Kraft or whoever else is, is designed to taste really good. It's designed to like tap into all of those natural, sweet, salty instincts that we have in order for us to want more of it. Yep. I dude, I, I agree. I, I think nu- nutrition wise, this is a long conversation. I think both of you guys are really great to talk about it because Gabe is actually on a farm growing real food. Right. Um, I am not. Uh, and MDV, you know, you're pretty diligent and you're very, you know, on point. And the fact that you took out sugar for 75 days is great. And I think each one of us kind of comes to it from a different perspective, but I think also meeting each other where you're at, you know, like for some people, it's like working out when you try and get your family and friends involved, if you try and push too hard, it's just never going to work. And I think people need to find what works for them and is actually sustainable for the long run. And for me, what I found in nutrition is, you know, I found a good groove for where I'm at, but that's not the same thing as what MDV or what Gabe does. And uh, same thing with workouts, right? I found a good groove of something I can find. I think each person needs to find that. And, but if it's not working, you're not happy with the results, then you have to go back to the drawing board and switch some things up. Yeah. Changing. So I'll never forget. I think uh, somebody said this to me early on. Uh, changing somebody's nutrition is harder than changing their belief in religion. And that was just what that person's opinion was. And it was kind of like a, a cute statement about nutrition, yeah. but it, in a lot of ways, it kind of makes sense. It's, it's one of those things that there's so much tied to it. And there's really long-standing beliefs about this is good. This is bad. And people hold on to those things to, with dear, for dear life. And um, it's the last bastion of freedom that somebody has as well, that like literally nobody can force you to eat or not eat something. So, you know, if you're talking about helping somebody with their nutrition, you can't help them until they're truly ready. And if you push past that point, you end up forcing them and creating resentment. It's really, really difficult. So unless somebody is ready to have this conversation or to think about these things, you know, you have to think about that as well. Like you were saying with the fitness thing. Yeah. And I mean, as a parent, you know, that's, a, that's been a tough thing for us, right? Is trying to instill specific concepts and ideas at a macro high level without being so over the top that our children start getting, you know, again, going down a, a path that we don't want them to, right? So we're trying complex or yeah, it's, it's, it's a very fine line. I'm sure that any parent listening has kind of had this struggle because um, you want to, you know, show by actually what you're doing, which I think is great and have the appropriate things in the house. But at the same time, you want to talk about balance. You want to talk about making sure you have fun. You want to talk about these kind of bigger macro themes. So I think it's a, obviously it's a hot topic and it's something that, you know, I'm continuously learning uh, myself on how to relate to people about it. Um, one question that I, I think the diversity in the gym thing is kind of interesting because I do think from like a diversity perspective, and we're talking about specifically from different origins, I do think it's probably one of the most diverse places, except for the socioeconomical comp- component because of how expensive it is, you do get people from all walks of life, traditionally in our gyms. 
However, they do come, they have to be able to pay for the fee, which is something that I do know in the past, we've tried different things like scholarships. We've tried a variety of different things. Um, and it's something we still want to lean into a little bit more, but I'm not quite sure how much you guys want to dive into that, but it's definitely something that I have on my radar in terms of how do you get new audiences into the gym that aren't as familiar with using the gym for their fitness and traditionally do other things. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that, but the question came up. I thought we'd address it a little bit. Oof. Hot you want to take topic. a shot first, Gabe? Di diversity. You know, I, I think that I, I agree, Jason, in that like one of the coolest things about like NC Fit gyms, CrossFit gyms that I've been a part in the past is the fact that you meet and work out side by side with people that like there is no chance I would have met them or spend any meaningful time with them outside of those four walls. Like people that I couldn't be more different to age wise, you know, anything. Right. And I think that that is something that really, really need to celebrate more. I think that, and again, this is just my own opinion. I think that people like tend to like focus so much on like the fact that we can do better. Of course we can do better. We can do better anywhere to be more inclusive and diverse and all of those things. But I think that if anything, like our space is, a space that's bringing together people in a really meaningful way um, that, you know, they wouldn't be rubbing, you know, shoulders together otherwise. And I think that bringing people together that have differences of opinion is how you kind of, you know, make progress in the right direction. You know, I've learned so much by being, you know, talking to people that maybe I, I, I didn't agree with at the gym because the gym is kind of what, what brought me together. Um, and I think that that just needs to be celebrated a little bit more. Can we do better? Of course. Um, I know that there's a lot of gyms doing some cool things about reaching out to communities and trying to get especially young people in that maybe don't have the chance. I think that that's an opportunity, right? It's to really kind of reach out to youth and try and get them in, whether it's scholarship programs or stuff like that. But um, that stuff's tough, man. It's tough because like, I mean, we just came out of COVID. Like, you know, gyms are trying to, to make it. Um, you know, like where's the extra time, money and effort to also kind of like, you know, do your part to make sure that you're getting everyone else in your community in the doors. It's, it's tough. Um, but I think that as a space, we're doing a, a good job. Um, and I think that that isn't put out enough. Yeah, I, I agree with uh, everything Gabe said there. You know, I, I do think that within the walls of the gym, um, you know, you check your, you check your ego, you check your business card, you check your background, you check everything at the door when you walk on in there and you're going to meet people and interact with people from different areas, different walks of life, different backgrounds. You know, maybe you guys are coming from a similar community or locality, but you know, the uh, odds that you might have ever been friends or interacted with that person ever might be really, really low. Uh, and, and like Gabe said, yeah, there, there are opportunities for uh, people to be introduced to this who might not have uh, an opportunity or access to it because of certain limiting factors. And those, like Gabe accurately said, it, opportunities for people to grow or participate in scholarship programs or introduce people to the type of program that we do. But it all doesn't also fall on the, the gym owner. That, that, that's something I think that we forget in this is that there's an individual in this equation too. And that's the people who are going into the gym and the people who are, are interacting with this type of fitness. It, there's nothing stopping any of us from individually taking the things that we are learning and seeing and doing there, and then going and doing the good work outside of the gym. Like, you know, the, 
it's very easy to say, oh, why aren't you doing more? Well, you know, yeah, sometimes you got to look in the mirror a little bit and say, can I do a little bit more first? And uh, I'm not trying to call anybody out. I, mean, I just want to, I can do better, but yeah, uh, I don't want to all put it all on gym owners here. Uh, we can all do a little better. Yeah. I mean, things that are on my radar. I mean, I, I think that the gym compared to most spaces um, is an area where you could interact and meet people who you probably wouldn't have outside of that realm. And I think for that reason alone, you get a diverse group. And specifically when you're talking about COVID, you had people in California, some people thought about it one way, some people thought about it another way. And you were able to watch the way they interacted, how they had this one mutual thing, which was fitness, even though they might have had different political views on COVID in particular, which was very polarized in both ways, right? They were able to come to the gym and connect on a specific level and then have good collaborative thought. And I saw it firsthand. So for that, I think it's a great safe space for it, particularly if the owner creates this good environment where it's a positive hour of your day. If people end up hanging out afterwards and communicating, that's up to them. But, you know, kind of it's this one neutral spot where everybody's going in there for the best hour of their day, which I think is excellent. Things that we are, are looking into and can do better, I think, is is the point we're talking about is, is reaching out to different communities. And I think each one of us could do a better job of that. Right. But I think expressing and getting more people involved in fitness, especially from like more at risk youth. I think could be really beneficial for them. And it's something that um, we've started putting some feelers out, but this conversation is a good reminder for me. So, um, so yeah, on that note, um, I want to talk about this idea of uh, tips and method for recovery. Um, you know, I know MDV, you like the sauna. Uh, I've tried a lot of things in the past. Um, what do you guys think about it? What do you guys, what do you, anything in particular stand out to you? I'm a, I'm a big kick on the turmeric right now, by the way. <laughs> Uh, turmeric is a great natural anti-inflammatory. Um, you know, a lot of people have success adding turmeric into their, uh, nutrition regimen and, uh, I'm back on it as well. I had been on it in the past and, um, you know, you inspired me to, to add some back in because I'm putting my body through a little bit more rigorous training specifically in jujitsu, uh, right now. So, um, you know, I think the best thing that you can do for recovery, uh, like we were talking about nutrition earlier is eat a really well-balanced whole food diet. Uh, make sure you're adequately hydrating, make sure you're taking care of yourself, make sure you're being smart about the types of workouts that you're doing, the intensity that you're pushing in those workouts, thinking about what your goals are, thinking about what your current fitness level is and whether or not you're realistically kind of leveling into those things. And uh, yeah, there are some other things that you can do both pre and post workout that will set you up for success in terms of recovery. A nice adequate warm up always will put you into a better state to work out and then it's going to put you on a better state in the other, uh, on the other side of the workout. And then post-workout cooling down and then doing things or experimenting with things like cold therapy or hot therapy, uh, massage, active recovery, all those kinds of things can be really helpful. Yeah. I mean, recovery is one of those things kind of like nutrition that, you know, we can have a three hour discussion on everything that's out there, everything we've tried. Um, you know, I, I, if I had to kind of give one answer, one thing that I just like, I don't think people talk about enough it's sleep. And I won't bring up the whole tape in your mouth thing. Don't worry. But I mean, people are just not getting good quality sleep and they take it for granted. You know, it's like, it's maybe getting that early morning workout in after three days of working out is more important than just getting those seven to nine hours of sleep. Um, and I know that for a lot of people, 
because of circumstances, family, all stuff, seven to nine hours might seem like a lot. Um, but I mean, if you're, if you want to prioritize recovery, like if that's the question that you're asking, like I would say prioritizing sleep over anything. Cause I mean, I do cold plunges. I can't wait to get a sauna, foam rolling, recovery shakes, like all that stuff. I do it all. But like, I also recognize that if I'm not getting good quality sleep, like that stuff is, is the, the icing on top of really what I think is, is, and what a lot of studies show, it's not just what I think is, is the most important. Thing. Yeah. Gabe, and I even missed that in my uh, kind of quick walk through there, I would say sleep hydration and, and sound nutrition practices are the top three. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think uh, the hydration for me is something that I had overlooked for a while. And I think that um, that would be an additional layer. I would say like, obviously the sleep, I think the hydration and the key foods. And then from there, you can get in all kinds of stuff. But it's like, it's not really useful to have a sauna and a cold plunge and foam roller if you're sleeping for two hours a night, not drinking enough water and eating really poorly. You know, I think we got to start there and then branch out. Um, and so, you know, MDV, you mentioned the, the hard training jujitsu. Um, Schweizer asked me about BJJ. I don't know what that means, right? What does BJJ mean? I mean, I, I don't know. Um, but maybe he wants to know <laughs> something about it. I don't, I don't know. Where, where do you even start with that? I mean, I, I, uh, where should we start? Because eventually we're going to get Gabe into it. Uh, so oh, let me start because I'm not going to have much to contribute to like the actual like substance of this conversation here because these two guys are the BJJ fanatics. I like... Shout out to BJJ one fanatics. Thing, one thing that I like, I, I struggle with, and it's a big reason why I like, I see you guys getting fired up about it. Like you're always like, hey, you got to try it. One thing that I've notoriously just always been bad at is I hate like starting something from the beginning. And I know how powerful that stuff is. I honestly like, and for some things, like I will 100% like dive into it. And I love having that beginner mindset, but just for some things, man, it's like the biggest hurdle. And I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll put it off and I don't even want to try it. Cause if I try it, like I'm going to want to commit to it until I'm like good. And I don't want to like try it and fall in love with it. Um, excuse for not wanting to try it, but go ahead. Gabe, your audio, man, every now and again, we're going to have to edit you out of this podcast. Yeah. Like you're on Mars. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, BJJ is Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right? And um, there's a couple of types of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, if we're talking about just the disciplines and the types of practice, it's no gi jiu-jitsu and gi jiu-jitsu. And gi jiu-jitsu is the jiu-jitsu that is, you know, you're traditionally wearing the garb, which is the, the top por portion of the robe or the gi and the bottom pants and then the belt around yourself. And then in no gi jiu-jitsu, which is more of a modern application, you're wearing essentially compression or shorts or a t-shirt. And in both of the disciplines, they're, they're different based on you know, the strategies that you employ, because in gi jujitsu, you can use the gi as a weapon, or you can use it to control the opponent and all that kind of stuff. But in both of those uh, types of jujitsu, the goal is to successfully submit your opponent. Um, and it really is a, a martial art that's based around submission grappling, you're trying to strangle, choke, or compromise a joint of your opponent or otherwise control them during the, the match. So articulate. Um, <laughs> I, I love that. 
Uh, Gabe, you know, here's the thing about the beginner thing. I, I totally get it, man. And you got to have a strong reason why you want to start anything, right? You had a strong reason why you want to do 75 hard. You had a strong reason why you want to go start a farm in Austin, which I don't have, right? I'm, I'm not, I don't have a strong why to go start a farm. I just, I'm, I'm not there, right? And it's the same thing with jujitsu. If you don't know why you're starting, it's going to be really easy for you just to give up. And it's because it, it takes a long, it's a high barrier to entry and it takes a really long time to start feeling good. So if, if it's been like an itch for a while, and I'm not saying it is for you, Gabe, but for someone listening, if it's been like an itch and you're interested, I would just start doing a little bit more research, watching some videos. And once you feel, okay, then maybe go try a class. And then that first class can be super difficult. You're going to feel like a fish out of water. And one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to feel like, man, I really want to get better at this. Or you're going to say, hey, this isn't for me. And I would encourage you to put your ego, leave it aside and ask yourself like, hey, is this something that's going to be good for me long-term? Uh, the education side, the self-defense side, or am I allowing my ego to kind of be like, oh no, this is stupid. It's, it's kind of the same way, um, you know, you can look at almost anything in life, but I, I found a lot of fulfillment coming from jujitsu. Um, I feel like it's given me a lot of mental clarity when I got the mat. I feel very focused. I feel like, um, especially depending on who I'm going with and the type of role we're doing, it feels like a game of chess. And I think it's very intellectually stimulating for me. And, um, some people, you know, wouldn't find it that same way, but I find a lot of enjoyment. So if you've been thinking about it, go try it out. But really, you, you got to kind of leave your ego and know it's going to be, it's going to be tough. It, it will be. I'm just letting you know. It's incredibly difficult. Um, I think of myself as a very generally athletic person. I've been doing functional training, CrossFit for 50, close to 15 years now. Uh, I've been doing jujitsu probably on and off for like a year and a half, but very committed to it for the past six months, very committed to it. And I'm only now starting to feel um, a little bit more of a sense of comfort and kind of understanding where things are and what I should be doing and how to approach uh, sparring sessions and drilling and all that kind of stuff. It, but it, it's, it's difficult. I mean, it, you are, um, you know, it's, it's a martial art. You're, you're facing an opponent. So you have that stress, uh, involved in it. Um, and it's, it's very new if you've never done anything like jujitsu. And I did, I wrestled in high school. So I, I had a base coming into this, so it can feel very, very foreign, like Jason saying, but you just have to continue to show up. You continue to show up. You start building confidence every single day. Um, it is a much higher barrier to entry than something like functional fitness, you know, NC fit, you can walk into NC fit class tomorrow and do a, a workout that we're going to adjust for you. And you're going to have a great workout. You're going to sweat. You're going to have a good time. You're going to high five everybody in your first few months of jujitsu. You might do some classes where you feel like I, I don't remember anything at all. And I have no movements that feel even close to natural to me right now. So um, you have to, push through some of that if you want to continue on and Gabe go ahead and then I have something just to kind of finish off jujitsu well I was just going to say and all jokes aside like I, I I love seeing how fired up both of you are about it and um I'm actually really looking forward to the event that is to be in Austin um a week from now um and kind of see it in action real person probably going to be pretty cool and I can't wait to watch you guys if you guys ever know have a, a a match that people go to or whatever that'd be fun yeah so we're heading out to austin um we'll be out there uh for an event but um just to kind of close the loop on the on the jiu-jitsu thing it will take you a while um but eventually you will you will have this win and it might not happen in a month it might not happen in six months it will eventually happen if you stick with it 
where you have a win and you leave the mat and you're like, you feel like glorious. You feel like all the hard work, you found some sliver of light along this huge journey. And it could be where you feel like you completely dominated someone that you didn't think that could happen. It could be that you can get someone in a first submission. It could be that you got out of a submission for the first time in your life, but there will be these micro wins. And then one day you'll be like, man, these skills that I've learned over the last X amount of years, like I'm, I'm very grateful that I started because like here I am this morning, I've been rolling for about six years now. And I'm at a point where, you know, I, I'm grateful that I started. So that's all I'm saying is that you, because if you don't start, you can't have that money in the retirement bank. You know what I mean? You got to do it. Um, origin stories, tips and for recovery, best retention strategies. Um, well, I mean, here's a, here, here's a question. I actually today had a meeting about this, about opening a, a new location. Um, do we think that home gyms are the new norm or are people getting back to the gyms? Oh, all right. Now I'll, I'll start this one off. I, I think that, I think that people are going to want to do both. Um, I think the vast majority of people just, the expectation is going to be that, I mean, people aren't going to get rid of all their equipment that they got through COVID. They have it. It's at home. Some people have a really nice garage gym, but I do think that the pendulum is going to swing in the other direction and that people just want to be around people. Like, I, I mean, I feel it. I know that going to NC fit and seeing the gyms, you know, a couple of weeks ago, like people want to be back in the gym with their coaches, with their friends. You can never, you know, kind of build that same experience at home. Um, so I think people are going to do both, but again, that's, that's just my opinion based on what I've seen. Um, but it seems like people really want to get out there, not just gym alone, but you know, it's, it's been tough to spend a year, not being able to go to all these places that you really enjoy. I think it's a big, and I also think it's a big part of what you need to optimize your health. Like fitness is important, but human interaction, meaningful human interaction is so important. Um, and I think that that's where the in-person gym plays a big piece that a garage gym can't. Yeah, I think it's gonna be really hard to make a really broad sweeping statement that encompasses everybody's preferences on this. You know. I, I kind of agree with Gabe where he's saying that both are going to exist to different degrees. To what degrees, I'm, I'm not uh, actually certain. But a lot of people, we all know, a lot of people bought fitness equipment and put it into their home during the pandemic, not only here in the United States, all over the world. And a lot of people signed up for digital fitness subscriptions during the pandemic that probably would have never signed up for digital fitness uh, subscriptions because they were a member at a gym and they were going there and getting their fitness there. Or they looked around, they go, oh shit, you know, health is really important. And I have some time now that I'm spending at home and I want to put some money in the bank and I'm going to sign up for this thing over here. There are a lot of people who got involved in fitness. There's also a lot of people who let their fitness go during the, the pandemic. And, you know, as we're coming back to, um, uh, more of this kind of open and normal state here in the United States, at least, I think you're going to see some people who during the pandemic stopped going to their gym, got equipment, and they're going to stay at home. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to stay at home. They're going to continue to ride their bike. They're going to continue to do their workouts in their garage. They're going to be happy for it. And they're going to go out and they're going to do other stuff and interact with people other ways. And then you're going to see other people who purchase fitness equipment during the pandemic. And they're going, I can't wait to get back into the gym. 
And then you have all these other instances, people who weren't into fitness, got into fitness, and they can go any different direction. I do think both are going to continue to exist to certain degrees. Uh, I think that in gym, the experience that you're going to get, you cannot get, like Gabe was saying, you can't get it at home. You can't get that type of coached group fitness atmosphere, specifically if we're talking about NC fit style gyms, you can't get that anywhere else. That's really hard to replicate. So if you're looking for that, you're going to go and find that. Yeah. And if you don't know what you're missing, I mean, I would recommend if you've been at home training for a while and obviously if you haven't checked out our NC fit app, you should definitely do that. That's the next best thing. Um, but if you kind of feel like you're just kind of dreading training, it's not something you're having fun with, go into the gym, surround yourself with other like-minded people and friends. You know, one of the things I always remind myself of is like, I was on the phone, uh, an hour ago with, uh, one of our NC fit virtual members, and he was kind enough to leave us a testimonial on our app. And so him and I were doing a private one-on-one -on -one session in, in, um, thanking him for this and he was saying that his gym shut down. Now he's at home and he misses a lot of the social interaction. He misses some of that and, and, and the coaching in particular. And so I was able to coach him on this one-on-one -on -one session. So I would encourage you, you've been at home for a while, go back in the gym, even on a short period of time, see how it feels and maybe do a hybrid model where you're at home a couple of days a week, you go to the gym once or twice a week, but uh, you don't know what, you're, what you uh, are missing until you get back in the energy and you feel it. So if you're feeling down, go to that because we're in this thing for the long run and not just the next month, six months or a year. I want to be fit for the rest of my life. So that's where I'm at. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, if I were a betting man and I don't know if there's anywhere to track this, like I would say that the vast majority of people that were going to a gym before and now have stuff at home will go back to the gym to some extent. I think that the people that are going to say like, Hey, I have all this equipment at home. Like I'm good. I don't need that. I think it's going to be few and far between. And again, that's just kind of my, my gut reaction in two cents, just based on if you enjoyed that before, like, I think you're going to want that back at some point, once it feels safe and you're comfortable, depending on where you fall on that spectrum. Um, but I think that will be most people, but tough to tell. Yeah. I, I mean, I would agree with that statement too. I think if you were going to a gym before the pandemic and you really enjoyed the experience, and even if you outfitted your home, I would say that the majority of those people are probably going to go and seek back out their friends and their coaches and their community um, but you know, there will be some people who will fall off and go and do other things. And that's okay too. You know, we just want people to be fit for life and check out the NC fit app or come to an NC fit gym and all good. Get after it that way. So Gabe, I know you like, uh, you like the Yankees, right? No. Oh man. my God. <laughs> so uh, I just want to, on a personal note, you like the Mets, right? Yeah. I'm like a, uh, to a detriment, a diehard Mets fan. And MDV, who do you like? Well, I'm a Mets fan as well. So this is actually a really uh, interesting uh, conversation because being a Mets fan is like a sentence in the sixth circle of hell, right? Because the so Mets- They don't win much or what happens? Well- It's worse than they don't win much. It's like they get <laughs> so close and tease you every time just to like- just to like, you know, twist it at the end. Like yeah, twist the, it. the Mets are kind of classically a team where you come into the season with the highest expectations and then they're terrible. They're, I mean, terrible, abysmal through the first half of the season. And then all of a sudden, this is what happens. They start to turn it on a little bit. The pitching improves, the hitting improves. They start playing great baseball. 
And all of a sudden, the, uh, the wild card is within reach. And then either they get the wild card or the first place is just a little bit in reach. But guess what? They start to tank at the end of the season. It happens every season, man. This is the script. I've been telling Gabe ever since he came to NC Fit. He got me back into Mets fandom, and I can't let him live it down because I'm back into. How many years has that been going on for? Like we're talking like 10 years? Uh, I mean, the, the Mets have had some success as a franchise. They had some success in the mid-'80s. Uh, the 86 Mets were the miracle Mets, right? Um and then you had uh, some good teams in the two, early 2000s. But I would say the, yeah, they went to, the World Series, right? They went to the World Series in 2000-2015 yep. and lost. But every time between – I think between 2000 and 2015, aside from the two World Series seasons, most of the seasons have been characterized by the yeah, yeah. big ups and downs. Oh, man. I got to appreciate the dedication because most people would refer to me as a fair weather fan. You know, when the Niners are going to the Super Bowl or when the Niners are in the playoffs or something, or the Warriors are in the playoffs, I'm all there. You know, I'm in the stands cheering. And, and I know it, right? I'm not a fan throughout the whole season, but I'll just show up for those events. So I appreciate people who kind of are dedicated season round, regardless of how well their team is doing. So go uh, go Mets, huh? For, for anyone that, like, even remotely watches baseball, like, this will tell you how much of, like, a bad relationship I have with this team. Like, I watch – every inning of every game all season long. And like, no one does that with baseball. Like I'll have work to do. And that's like the nice thing about baseball is that you can kind of like do stuff and just have it on in the background. But like, unless there's like very extreme circumstances, like the game is never not on. And it's 162 game season. It's a problem. (laughs) Well, Hey, while we're on the note of baseball, just real quick. I, I gotta tell you, my son is doing a baseball camp. And I am overly impressed by the professionalism of how they're setting it up for success. I want to share the story for any gym owner or any business owner or any coach or whatever. The preparation these guys have put in is incredible. So my son is seven. So this, this, this tournament's like, or this, whatever, is like for six to you know, 13 year olds. And we're not talking about, you know, uh, high school or college age kids, but they are sending the parents an email pretty much every day for the last, the thing starts next week. They've been sending an email almost every other day, prepping them for the actual camp itself. But they have seven criteria they need to hit so that when they get there, they get like a free t-shirt or something. They hit this criteria. One of them is, you know, play catch for 25 minutes a day for a week. The other one is uh, make sure that you come uh, prepared with uh, appropriate nutrition. Make sure that you are uh, like all these seven things you have to come in with. But the one I thought was interesting is make sure that you've curated your playlist that you are going to listen to every day before you come to camp to put you in the right state of mind for a positive experience. That was like one of the seven things. And so as a parent now, it's 25 minutes a day of this. It's this, it's this, it's this, right? Whatever. Get your cleats, get your hat, get your gear. Um, And then in addition to that, it's get your playlist ready. And I thought that was really interesting because they're hitting into the mindset of, how do you have this, this playlist that gets them in the right state of mind to go in there and go, uh, go execute on the camp? So I thought I'd just share that with you as the attention to detail makes a difference. As a parent of someone who's attending this, I could dramatically see a big difference between his camp and other camps that he's been in, where it's just kind of fly by the seat of the pants, whatever. These guys are preparing the kids for success, which I thought was cool. That is very cool. I think, um, you know, 
I mean, that, that's a, that's a fairly young age. I think that they sent putting these kids into a scenario where they're uh, learning a lot of really good habits about practice and getting into the right mindset. And it doesn't sound like anything's too extreme on that list. And that's really cool. Two questions. Number one, what is on Caden's get fired up playlist? And then number two, when you were competing at the games, did you have any songs or things that you would listen to before you went out? So it's one of the other ones for the camp is uh, write down a list of the, of like what you're trying to get out of the camp, which I thought was cool. Right. Um, so, so far we're building it where um, Ashley is building it with Caden. Um, I know his like go-to is thunder uh, by imagine dragons. You know, he, he gets down to that in the garage working out. I got to see what else he puts on. I'll let you know what it is. Right. We'll be putting the non-explicit versions, of course. Um, <laughs> and for me, um, dude, I'm, I'm like the complete opposite, right? So I don't need the pump up because in Caden's case, you know, we're going to kind of put on some things like set the mood, get the vibe right, whatever. But for me, it was anytime I went too crazy, like Lil Wayne and uh, like whatever, Drake and all kinds of crazy stuff, I would get too emotionally amped up and I had to actually do everything I could to bring it back down. So it'd be like the Bob Marley's of the world, the, the country music, the, you know, um, even, even today I was on the stair machine the other day that we were on and a while ago and I was listening to Kip Moore. And so, especially before competition, I would remove caffeinated things and I would get rid of any excessive noise, um, that came from like, you know, Eminem, for example, like I wasn't going to listen to Eminem and then try and go do Fran. I needed to kind of bring the heart rate back down. So that's just me. That's speaking of um, speaking of bringing the heart rate back down, I'll share with you guys something. I, I'm not sure when we're going to wrap up, but I'll, I'll share with you guys something here. Um, so I know I said that like I really don't like getting into like the beginner mindset and like learning something new, but um, I did buy a bow, and I'm, I'm I, I want to get into archery and and you know hunting season here with a bow and arrows in October. So my goal is to get good enough. To, to, to get a tag and, and go hunting here in Texas in October. But um, talk about trying to bring your heart rate down <laughs> to be good at something, man. Um, so that's been what a little bit of, of a challenge. What kind of bow you get? A compound bow. I, yeah, I, I don't even know the name of the brand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. You know, you better, uh, if you go uh, boar hunting, man, you got to, if you shoot and miss, uh, you might have a boar coming out. You might even bring a little sidearm with you as well. Oh boy. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to start out with bow. Luckily I have enough like room here that, you know, we can just kind of do stuff right on the property, which is nice. But um, yeah, I'll let you guys know how that goes. I love it. You and Joe Rogan out there in Texas, just bow hunting, eating, what was it? Larry Blacks or. Uh, oh man. Um, Terry Blacks. Terry Blacks. Terry Blacks awesome. barbecue. Best barbecue in Austin. That place is awesome. Hopping well, in the sauna doing some DMT. Oh yeah. Doing the DMT. <laughs> I, uh, well, we'll be out in, uh, MDV and I will be out in Austin next week. Actually, so we'll probably be seeing you. And, uh, in the meantime, we're going to try and have these episodes, you know, kind of be a re reoccurring thing. You know, we have the NC fit community. We have the collective community. Um, we have just fans of the business of fitness podcast, the, which was a business of fitness. Now it's effort over everything. And I think it's just, we're molding this podcast into something that's just, you know, look, it could be a variety of different subjects. We've been talking about, you know, coffee and running gyms. And we just had Hani Rambot on talking about bodybuilding, which I thought was a really cool episode. Um, 
And these episodes with Gabe and MDV are just a really good way to get to know them better, get to know myself better, talk about different subjects that we have on our mind and have it nothing extremely formal. So on that note, uh, Gabe, MDV, anything to kind of close us out with? Well, I mean, I, I love the fact that you got some questions on Instagram. Um, I think that stuff is super cool. Like, I, I want to make sure that we're kind of talking about stuff that people are interested in and want to hear a little bit more of. Um, so it's cool that we got that going. Uh, I enjoy these. I genuinely enjoy, you know, shooting the shit with you guys. So I'm, I'm glad you had me on again. I'm glad we're going to do this a little bit more often. Yeah, likewise. Looking forward to doing it monthly, hopefully. And uh, any questions that come through on Instagram, we'll do our best to answer them. I'm going to jujitsu here in about an hour and 15 minutes, the old night class. And we'll see if I can uh, bring my heart rate back down to uh, below 150 uh, anytime soon after that. Oh, I can't do the night classes. I just, I'm too <laughs> ramped up. I'm like sitting there. <sighs> um, all right. Well, hey, guys, thank you so much. And, uh, and uh, go Mets. Have a good day, everybody. See ya.